goes on to discuss the things they ask him about. You don't necessarily have to start where somebody else wants you to start. There may be some priority items. And uh, so he, he starts with now concerning the things about which you wrote in verse 7.1. Now look at 7.25. Now concerning virgins. That's going to be another topic. 8.1. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols. There's another topic. 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. And uh, 16.1. Now concerning the collection for the saints. And though it's slightly different. Maybe also 16.12, but concerning apostles. So those were some of the topics that he's signaling with that phrase. And uh, let's see if I can uh, figure out how to do this in kind of a meaningful way. Uh, let's see. Is that? recommendation in 1 Corinthians 7 is to stay where you're at. I want us to first look at verses 1 through 7, if somebody will read that. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I, my, I, even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to... Oh, okay. Good. So, I believe when he says the things about what you wrote, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, that was their view. That's what they were arguing. And I think the point they were trying to make is it's better to abstain in marriage. I think that's the idea in this context, is that they were thinking you were holier if as a married person you just didn't. And Paul's quoting them, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, and he's answering that by saying, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each man is to have her own husband. Not to acquire, but to have. He means there, I believe, sexually. And so he's saying that, you know, it's not appropriate for married people to live celibate lives. And you shouldn't view it as sort of regrettable. You know, well, you were really spiritual. No, it's not like that. He wants each of us to have our mate. That's God's design in marriage. Notice, each one to have his own. That excludes polygamy, parenthetically. That's not his main point, but it's true. And notice how throughout the chapter, he balances the, the instructions to men and to women. Constantly, he's balancing them. They both have to have their own, they have them. Now, he says, you've got to fulfill your duty to your wife and to your husband. This is not like some sort of a privilege. This is part of your responsibility as a married person. Neither party is to withhold themselves. 
That's not appropriate. They are to give themselves to their mates. Mutual fulfillment is a part of the normal condition of marriage. And so that's considered just to be what, what is the responsibility of a married person. The wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband. Husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife. Really, isn't that true in every aspect of marriage? That you love each other, that you serve each other, that, that you give yourself to each other. In a marriage relationship, you give up your rights. You belong to the other one, including the right to your body. So the emphasis in marriage is you give yourself to your mate. The emphasis is not what I get. The emphasis is that I serve, I give. I seek to give her pleasure. She seeks to give me pleasure. And to, to join ourselves together to satisfy the other one. Now, I believe that this would imply that procreation, that is having children, is not the only purpose of marriage. There are those who argue that. I don't see that. Uh, in this passage, this is just a normal marital responsibility. Whether you're even in a position to have children or not, that this is a part of the marriage relationship in and of itself. Children are fruit, but they're not the only fruit of that. He says stop depriving one another, except for three conditions. There are three, three conditions that have to be satisfied to have to deprive each other, so to speak. First of all, by agreement, mutual consent. Both have to be on board with this. I'm not trying to get it right now. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Um, mutual consent. Second, for a spiritual purpose. Uh, he says, for uh, that you devote yourself to prayer. So, not mutual agreement because you can't stand each other, but mutual <laughs> agreement for a spiritual purpose, and then you come together again. It should be a limited time. It's temporary. It doesn't go on indefinitely. It doesn't go on too long. Because you realize there's a lot of danger in this. You know, you don't want Satan to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What a shame it would be if in your effort to be spiritual, Satan gave the upper hand. You don't want that. And you think about notable religions which have asked for celibacy for some of their officials and some of the things that have happened as a result of that. You know, it didn't make them more spiritual. It may have uh, contributed to their downfall because Satan tempts in those situations. He says, I say this by way of concession, not of command. I think he's saying that he's conceding it to be okay to abstain with mutual consent for a temporary period of time for the purpose of prayer. That's a concession. He's not commanding that. He's not saying, well, everybody have a period of prayer where you abstain. It's not like that. He's saying, I'll, I'll give you that. You can do that if you want. Not necessarily encouraging it, but he's allowing that. No more. But that, that's just a concession. He's not like saying, if you're really spiritual, you'll have that, or something like that. And then... He says, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. I imagine they were saying that. That they were using him as an example. See, he's single and celibate and all that. He says, that's not for everybody. Certainly it's not for a married person. Not even for all unmarried people. Uh, 
You know, yes, it'd be nice if everybody was just like him. We all feel that way, don't you? Don't we? Would you like everybody to just be like you? Well, probably not. Would you stop thinking about it? But all of us kind of like, well, I wish they were more like I am. Well, we have to realize everybody's different. And Paul did not fall into the trap of imagining that what was best for him was best for everybody. That's not true. It worked very well for him to be a single man. That was great for him. That's not great for everybody. He didn't think it would be. So they can't appeal to his example as laying down the norm for everybody, certainly not for Mary. Comments and questions on those first seven verses. I think going along with uh, the view in verse 2 about the word everyone's supposed to have, I think uh, to connect with that, chapter 5, verse 1, the person who had his father's wife, I think we definitely see the connection there and what he means by that. So I don't think it's a stretch to assume he means that. Thank you for that. It's very helpful. Eric. Kind of interesting to me that the thing that they were asking about is whether or not the husband and the wife can sleep together. But the thing that they didn't want to ask him about that he had to reports about was the sexual immorality that was going on amongst people who were not married. So it's like they're, they're asking the question that seems totally without telling him what's really going on. Yes, and you know what else? Can't you see from earlier in the letter there's a lot of immorality issues? Don't extremes beget extremes. You know, when things are pretty loose, then you've got this opposite reaction of some incredible strictness that's not appropriate either. I think that happens a lot. I think that happens in our day. We're obviously in an era of a great deal of you know, lack of restraint. But sometimes we go to the opposite extreme and then we want to restrain even lawful things. And I, I, I think you can see that in some things. Some of you uh, can perhaps reflect on that and uh, realize that in our generation there have been some who tried to just swing the pendulum back the other way as far as possible, which also is not the proper thing. Celibacy or trying to prevent marriage or whatever uh, is not, it's not going to be a better situation. So, uh, you know, but that's a typical, typical thing that happens. Other questions and comments? Yes, I Heidi. heard some use verse 7 um, to propose that Paul is suggesting that singleness is a I don't think it is either. I mean, he's not talking about it being a spiritual gift, just that everybody has their thing. You know, they have their personality, their situation, what works well for them. Uh, some people may have a blessing or a gift of doing well for them to be single. It's not some kind of special spiritual gift. That's just a blessing. Yes. Uh, I, I, I have heard that several times, you know, it'd be And he'll say some more things positively about singleness. There are some good things to be said about being single. That's not a bad thing. It's not an unnatural thing. It's not a ridiculous thing. It's good. There are also good things to be said about being married. And Paul's not trying to take away from that. I think it's bad when single people are sort of looked at as like, you're how old? Still single? No, there's nothing bad about being single. There's some really good things about that. 
But it's not like we ought to think, well, if you were really spiritual, then you definitely wouldn't get married. Well, of course not. There are many very spiritual people who are married, and that is very helpful in some roles, like being an elder and so forth. So Paul understood, you know, there are very various kinds of people. For some people, being single is a very good thing. For some people, being married is very good. Other questions, comments? Yes, comments. a lot of discussions about marriage and like elders and deacons, he wrote most of it. And I just always found that interesting that yes. you know, he, he wrote most of it. That is interesting. It means that by inspiration he had things revealed to him he had never experienced. Of course, even if he'd been a husband or a wife, you wouldn't want him just writing about what he felt based upon his experience. You'd want to know what the Lord's word was. So the Lord can use anybody as his instruments to reveal that. Good point. Other thoughts? Alright, we are going to take a break. Let me tell you though, I did make real clear when I read the list of 